Welcome to the Achieve Results Nutrition and Wellness Podcast, the ultimate guide to feeling and looking your best. Join me, your host, as we embark on an exciting journey to discover the power of nutrition, exercise, sleep, recovery, and mental performance. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and uplifted as we uncover the secrets to unlocking your full potential and living your best life. Whether you're a fitness enthusiast, a wellness warrior, or just looking to improve your overall well-being, this is the podcast for you. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to elevate our performance together. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have a guest that I'm super excited about, honestly, who I've really enjoyed talking to as we've got to know each other over some time. Andrew, you probably need less introduction than I need, (laughs) but we got Andrew Coates with us today. So Andrew is the founder of Andrew Coates Fitness, writer for Testosterone Nation or T-Nation as a lot of you might know, Muscle and Fitness, Bar Bend, Generation Iron, True Coach, and the PTDC. Andrew is the host of the Lift Free and Die Hard podcast, He's a, and he's a speaker at many fitness events, all right? Andrew holds an honors Bachelor of Commerce degree and has spent 12 years and over 20,000 hours coaching general population clients, older adults, and young athletes. And so obviously you got a ton of experience and that's really what I wanted to get in and talk to you today about is just, I guess from our interactions, Andrew, you're a super inviting person. And I assume that's what is something that obviously you've relied on in terms of your success in the business. I was amazed when we got an opportunity to meet at that in person at that event in New York Strong. Honestly, just you're a good dude. You're easy to talk to. You're very inviting. You're helpful, all these things right? What would you say your mission is for your clients? And how do you feel like that inviting personality really helps people out? Oh, I mean, God, there's so much there. By the way, thanks for having me on. And it was great to meet you as well. Where do I start with this stuff? I think the fitness industry can be overwhelming. And I'm preaching to the choir here. We know that there is a lot of information. There's a lot of conflicting information. There are a lot of people with large followings that share information that guys like you and me get frustrated by it, but I prefer not to complain about the stuff that I don't think is good information. Sure, it's frustrating, but I think it's much more productive to find ways to scale our ability to reach and help more people. I, I think it's that simple. I look at people like our good friend, Don Saladino, who's done a really great job building a very large audience, not just on social media, but a lot of just A lot of credibility across his legacy, owning a gym for 15 years, his associations with brands like Muscle and Fitness and Men's Health. And I think this is the way. And I think in our industry, we are not really fighting. A lot of people are actually get caught up fighting in our little in crowd, arguing over nutritional ideology, training methodologies. And I think this creates further barriers to the person listening who's wants to feel better. They don't want, they want to feel better energy. They don't want to be as tired. They probably want to lose some weight. They definitely want to get healthier. They want to feel more confident and it's not hard to feel lost. So I think maybe in our world, maybe we have a bit of an obligation. I don't know if obligation is the right word, but I'll go with it that instead of complaining about what we think is wrong, I think that we should do a really good job of reaching more people with what we feel is right. And part of that is to be very abundant in our mindsets about sharing and supporting the other people in our industry. It takes nothing away from me, my my ability to earn a livelihood, 
to feature Don prominently on my social media or to share and help you when we're in New York. One of the most rewarding and fulfilling parts of that, and it's not something I try to do public facing because it's not about scoring points or getting approval from people. That's the wrong attitude. It's actually just about helping people because it's fulfilling. I introduced a bunch of people to my editor. I invited my editor at Muscle Fitness Magazine to come and hang out. I invited my editor from Generation Iron, but he wasn't able to make it. And I just introduced some people that I knew had the track record to be people that might help my editor support them. In the meantime, if a connection gets a friend of mine who's doing good work in with Muscle Fitness Magazine, a publication I've been reading for over 20 years, I have stacks of them back in my parents' place in Newfoundland. And that helps those people. And it gets more and more good people to stay in the industry in front of more eyes and sharing better information. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, I, I think at the end of the day, it's probably what one of the reasons why you have gone so far, right? Is you're, like I said, just a helpful person. And I think people pick up on that, right? And like you said, the more people that we can introduce to other good people in the industry, and you hope that starts to get the ball rolling and starts to take over. And the message from the people that, that really are in it for all the right reasons and things like that, hopefully starts to drown out the message from the others. And I hopefully can take the industry in a really smart way there. Right? I think that's the big thing is obviously a lot of people I work with and a lot of the people that you work with, right? Like you, you've got it right on front and center on your website. Your mission is to make fitness fun and inviting um, for people that may or may not have had that experience in the past. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. I feel like I could, I could just scroll down your Twitter or your, uh, your Instagram and just rip quotes out of there and we could talk about those all day. But I think it's pretty just like your rational approach. I like that you just take a rational, like very level-headed approach. I try to do the same. So maybe it's just a little confirmation bias. But anyway, I'm going to quit talking all day. <laughs> Again, the people listening are people who are probably already, you know, I'm preaching to the choir in terms of people who are subscribing to the idea that, hey, physical activity, eating better just feels good. But within everybody's orbit, there are people who haven't quite gotten there yet. And I think we do it by letting people see that you know, it's fun, that we enjoy it. And it's not that it has to be one way. It doesn't have to be just CrossFit or it doesn't have to be just powerlifting. But there are people that derive incredible enjoyment out of that. So demonizing maybe the negative stereotypes about those worlds also isn't the answer. It's about presenting people with an array of options and things that they might enjoy and encouraging them to step into, well, step into an identity of someone who is more fit and more active because they're more likely to be consistent, but also to tap in maybe old identities. Someone grew up playing various sports. You played very high level hockey, right? And how many people, maybe getting them into the weight room is going to be an overwhelming task, but maybe them getting them back on a set of skates, maybe that's the answer. And then once that gets going, you realize, okay, I can't do what I used to do when I was in my late teens. So maybe there's something else out there that will support them feeling good to play hockey, which might be getting them to lift weights on their terms. And it, breaking down myths without necessarily, there are a lot of people that have branded around myth busting, but they tend to be really shame-based in their messaging, attacking the people delivering the messages. That can work if the people that are being targeted are what I like to term verifiable charlatans, high-profile charlatans. Lane Norton does a really great job of this. Lane is great with nutrition. But if people mistake thinking that Lane is only about ripping apart the charlatans, the overwhelming majority of what Lane does is share free 
high quality evidence-based information. And that's where Lane does well. The other stuff is a bit of a character that Lane likes to play around with these people. <laughs> I also think it's a mistake for most fitness professionals to try to replicate Lane thinking, well, I'm going to just attack the charlatans. No, actually do the other volume of work and do the things that Lane did, like compete in, in natural bodybuilding, compete at a very high level in powerlifting to where he's a world record holder, that sort of stuff. That also gives Lane credibility. He's got a PhD that gives him credibility. So let me get myself back on track here. I still think the area of opportunity is the vast majority of the people who are inactive, right? And we all know people who are inactive. So it becomes being a great ambassador to the world that we love. And if we show people that we love it, we're not, ex <laughs> we're not too extreme about it, but that it's accessible to everybody. And it's not just, oh, I'm not the sort of person who could ever go to the gym five days a week. You don't need to go to the gym five days a week. Maybe it's two one hour full body workouts a week that you learn from a really good program or you hire a great coach, eases you in, you catch the bug, you decide you really like it and you can grow from there. And on the flip side with the nutrition, which is, you know, your strongest area of expertise, it's also to break down these ideas that it's all or nothing type mentalities and starting with simple things like finding ways to get people to eat a bit more protein. Okay. And some of these things are cliche, but quite literally, if you can focus on getting somebody to eat more protein, which most people, I think vegans, it's a bit more challenging. That's a unique population for sure. But I think most people, it's probably not that hard to focus on more protein. We have to take into consideration lifestyle issues like inflation and everything's more expensive right now. And protein is the most expensive macronutrient of the three major ones. Yep. We could call it four if we want to count alcohol. <laughs> alcohol has a unique place in all this. We'll come back to that later. Yeah, it's pricey for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But if we can get someone to build each meal around protein, then cool stuff starts to happen. First of all, they tend to start feeling better. They tend to have more energy. They tend to feel fuller. They tend to not want to as much, quote, binge on high calorie meals that are really loaded up with high fat, highly refined, highly processed carbohydrates and fats. And not to say that those things are, we should be demonizing them either. That's another problem is we get extremes with the clean eating mentality saying, oh, if you smell ice cream, you're going to get fat, but you can eat all the chicken, rice, and broccoli in the world. First of all, most people aren't excited about that. So they'll just, they think that if I, if I start focusing on my health, I have to give up the foods that I love forever. I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, but this one's probably an important one. If anything, if you start getting more active, you should have more room within your weekly nutrition to eat more calories. Your metabolic rate is going to be elevated to at least a certain degree. There's some argument about this. If you're working out, if you're lifting, if you're going from active, inactive to active, you're burning more calories. Yeah, for sure. Two, if you are doing resistance-based training, things that elevate metabolic rate as you're recovering from the intensity, there's a little bit more metabolic capacity there. And the fitness industry likes to overstate the effect of having more muscle. Having more muscle mass does create a small increase in demand for calories burned while we're at rest. So that one, it all factors in together. And if you're doing it all consistently, well, there's going to be a fairly substantial impact on just what you can eat. So you may not need to make the same kind of drastic changes that you think, which is what a lot of people look at and go, it's too hard. I'm not even going to bother because again, they're worried that they have to give up their current lifestyle. Now, here's the funny thing. 
usually once fit a more fit, a more active lifestyle takes hold and you notice you're starting feeling better. Just baked a salmon, some Brussels sprouts and cooked some rice last night, but a bit of soy sauce on the rice. And quite frankly, I love that meal. That tastes great. And not everything's like that. I eat a lot of pasta and I would rather have that than go out and we've got Popeye's chicken here now. It took forever to get here in Canada, <laughs> but you grew up here. So you know what I'm talking about. Yes, right? so the thing, Adam, I'm originally from the East coast, Newfoundland. I moved to Edmonton, Alberta. Whereas Adam is from Red Deer, which is about an hour's drive away from Edmonton. And then we connect online through Dawn and then we meet in New York. So go figure. Yeah. We haven't had Popeye's chicken too long and I've still never gone out to eat it. I grew up in the East Coast with Mary Brown's. And then we have Mary Brown's here in Alberta. There's a lot of new in Alberta. But Mary Brown's, okay, great, fine, whatever. I rarely have it. Kentucky Fried KFC. It's basically the same thing as KFC. And just as an example, I'm just, I'm not drawn to these things. I would rather, and again, I know there's a bit of a luxury being able to do that, but I would rather throw a salmon in the oven for 35 minutes. I just put this on my Instagram story last night, Brussels sprouts, I cut them in two, poured a little bit of olive oil on them, a little bit of seasoning salt shoved in the oven. And I boiled a pot of rice on the stove. I sat down and banged out a whole bunch of my online updates while I just had a timer on for these things, pulled it out. I lined the pans with like tinfoil so that minimize the cleanup. Yes, I do the same. <laughs> and then I had six meals. I sat there, ate one, and I have meals for, two meals for today, two meals for tomorrow, and a meal for, it'll be Wednesday, and then I'll cook Wednesday night again. And so it didn't take me very long. Total, total time prep was an hour, part of which I spent doing other stuff. Anyway, I could have just sat down and watched TV or play video games. So I want to break down some of the daunting, oh my God, like I don't have time to do this sort of stuff. Quite frankly, if you're, if you drive out to go get something cooked fast food, the turnaround time on that, depending on where you live, might be 30 minutes anyway. So are you really gaining that much time back? Not really. And quite frankly, as much as we have this idea that some of the stuff's expensive, salmon isn't cheap, the idea that it's cheaper to eat healthy, or sorry, it's cheaper to eat unhealthy food, I don't agree with that either. Because if you're... If you go out and you go buy bags of potatoes and rice and apples at Costco, and you're thoughtful with your protein sources, you can buy frozen fish, frozen chicken, that's going to be cheaper than fresh stuff, which is fine. Then frozen veggies are super, super awesome. Then it's not really that expensive compared to, I've noticed that if I go into a Subway or any of these other sort of places, the shit's getting way more expensive than it used to be, like way more. So I, I just don't think that it's that big a difference. And I am really empathetic to the person who works two jobs and they're trying to feed their kids and they put themselves last. And I think those people are real, but it's also a bit of a stereotype that other people lean on to shout down messaging about healthy lifestyles. Because at the end of the day, we've got people in our world who derive status from existing in an ideological place where they like to... It, they've got it pretty good, but they like to push back against our messaging, encouraging people to be more active and be healthier. And they think they're defending the people who they're speaking for, who they feel don't have the same advantages. Okay, sure. There's a little bit of that, but I don't feel like that's actually helping at all. I think if anything, it's, it, it's not part of the solution, which is to find ways for each individual person to carve out time within their lifestyle and do the best that they can within their given circumstance. Totally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. And I think that's the big thing is it's obviously we always 
everything gets referred back to social media now. And I guess it will for probably the rest of time. I don't think it's going any away. It's not going anywhere. But I think that's the problem. And what I'm seeing with a lot of the people I'm working with or speaking with or whatever, is that they have that mindset, right? Where if they're not in it, if they're not in the gym five, five days a week, like I know you have an online program, if they're not able to follow every single day of that program every month, then they're failing. If they're not able to, again, eat the chicken, broccoli and rice every single meal, then that's a problem and they're failing. And I think that's what it is. It's a misunderstanding of the need to like adapt something that suits your life, but still creates the result you want. And I think that's, it's actually funny, like, I, I just actually wrapped up, I did a six week nutrition challenge. And then, and I, as I was building it, I was thinking to myself like, oh man, this is pretty basic, right? It was like week one, focus on hydration and protein. Week two, focus on eating more berries and some vegetables. And as I laid it out, I started to realize, shit, like I've been doing this for myself and I would consider myself pretty higher level. But even if I went back to these, what I was thinking of as basics, this is going to help me even today. And it's what it is. It's foundations. I think it's not basics. It's foundational stuff. And I think it, it makes such a massive difference, right? Is people want to, they don't, they discount the foundational stuff, the little bit more boring stuff, the simple stuff, like you're saying, where it's just understanding that how to fit those healthier meals in and still save some time and maybe think of things a little bit differently. And I worked at a university as a dietitian and stuff. And so a lot of it was based on price. And there's certainly ways that we can handle, like that people can handle price issues. Like you said, buying more in bulk, buying maybe not as lean a cuts of meat, ground meats, frozen stuff as opposed to fresh. So there's a lot of ways we can fit that in, but like exactly what you're saying, right? just in terms of the fact that, hey, like it's really just about spending less time talking about how everybody should be doing it and spending more time about, hey, how do you need to do it to create a result for yourself or create something sustainable for yourself, right? You hit on one of the most important things right at the beginning of that. It's people all too often set themselves up arbitrarily with pass-fail metrics. They think that yeah. it has to be done at this level, and if you can't do it at this level of adherence, then you failed. And that then gives them permission. And this is something that I want people to start waking up to. There's an inherent permission that we grant ourselves to fall off track, fall off the wagon, choose your cliche or your metaphor. So that way you can go back to not being active and eating whatever you were before. And to say, I tried, can't do this. I'm not the sort of person who can do this, which it becomes rooted in identity again. And this is some stuff that Brene Brown talks a lot about. And I think if someone really wants to make some big progress on some of the more complex, nuanced emotional relationship with their nutrition. I think reading Brene Brown's stuff is great because her stuff is about shame, guilt, and vulnerability. And it can really wake you up to what are the shame triggers and the way you grew up that may have a relationship with your nutrition. These books are not about nutrition, but they definitely go into some of these things. And most importantly, it's to get away from associating you, your identity, and your self worth with the things that you do well or poorly. So it's, you're not a, you're not a bad person when you have hiccups with your nutrition. You and me struggle with aspects of nutrition for years. I didn't eat enough vegetables. I've made some good progress on that. I'm still not flawless. So instead of saying, oh, I'm a shitty person. I can't do this. You go, oh, this is something that I struggle with. This is something I'm working on. I'm not great at this yet, but I am going to try to improve. It's shame is saying I'm, I'm a bad person. Guilt is 
I did a bad thing. Okay. And again, I don't even want to say when it comes to nutrition, it's, oh, I did a bad thing because I didn't eat enough vegetables. But at least with through this lens, we can separate our struggles and what we've up to this point not done well with from a deeply rooted fixed identity that basically just says, well, I can't do this. I'm incapable of this. So I'm just resigning myself to my fate, which then doesn't change anything. And then we go down the road of long-term increased risk of, of lifestyle disease. And this is another thing that I think more and more, especially with the last three years and everything that's happened, we are really waking up to the fact that there are tricky narratives within our space and they're rooted, they're well-intentioned, they're rooted in compassion, but they're dishonest. And while we cannot look at someone and know everything about their health just by looking at them, the reality is that there is an incredibly strong relationship with poor long-term outcomes and you know, high levels of body fat. That is medical fact, that's scientific fact. And at least our world is no longer tolerant of messages to the contrary. And messages to the contrary are dangerous. They're misleading for people too. Very problematic messages. But we still have to find a very compassionate way that is not shame-based to turn around and say to people, listen, if you do want to avoid elevated risk of some of these negative outcomes, then we have to find a way for you to make some progress on your lifestyle. And it just comes back to a lot of the stuff we said. And this is complicated. This is really challenging stuff. This is not easy. But we have to get people out of this identity that they can't. Totally. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's the big thing where that that can't takes over is, like you said, they're waiting for that opportunity to pop up where, oh, there it is. There I went again. I'm back to my old self. I knew I was going to fail. And the amount of people that I've seen that are, are headed in such on such a positive trajectory and, but they're waiting for that moment. And you're like, man, like that pizza you ate on Friday night, do, it doesn't wash the last four weeks of all the incredible things you've done, or even the last four days or whatever. And that's the thing to me, like you said, like when it just gets rooted in identity, I think you're really, obviously that's to, to me, the, when, once the identity changes, right, that's when everything changes because now there's nothing getting in your way. There's no more roadblocks. It's just, oh, Hey, I hit, like you said, I hit a hiccup. And I'm just going to keep on rolling. But it's, yeah, that that whole identity-based thing is super tough. So do you, is there anything you use, like personally, with people that are coming to you? You're seeing a lot of gen pop people. I know even from some of your videos online and stuff, I'm sure there's some people you work with that battle these exact same things. So well, the, people I, the people I get to work with in person, it's easier because then I get to immerse myself in the experience with them. And quite frankly, I don't talk a lot of nutrition with them in the very earliest stages, unless they're proactive. What I do focus on is creating a program that they enjoy, something they wanna come back to, and an experience and a relationship that they wanna come back to spend time with me and that they feel comfortable in the gym. So we overcome that kind of fear and intimidation of the gym. And once you get someone to keep returning that because they enjoy the experience, then they realize, wait a second, this exercise stuff doesn't suck as much as I thought it would. And then long enough to notice, wait a second, my joints hurt less. I have better energy. My mood is improved. Some of my clients, I got a guy, he's a bit newer. I've known him for years and he never really worked out with any regularity, at least not resistance training. And he's pre-diabetic and he just turned 55. And you wouldn't look at him and think, oh, well, all right, there's some stuff here, but there's a little bit of family history. Anyway, so we get him into resistance training and we mostly talk about hockey and other stuff that has very little to do with this. He's got a doctor taking care of a lot of the stuff when it comes to his pre-diabetic stuff. So we don't even have to talk much nutrition. 
I'm always willing to listen. But again, there's a lot of different things about you're an RD, right? So there's a lot of different myths and misconceptions about what personal trainers can and can't do. Like one of the big myths is that, again, I don't like doing meal plans. In fact, I don't, but there's this myth that's been perpetuated that it's illegal in most places for anyone who's not a registered dietitian to give a meal plan. That's actually factually false. There's a guy in New York, John Dorsey Goob, and he's publicly called out a couple of my friends who have actually perpetuated that myth. However, that's not to say that I think personal trainers should be going around giving meal plans. I don't think most have that qualification. I would rather defer someone to you specifically or the other RDs I know. But I don't mess around with prescribing nutrition to treat disease. Okay. But I've got the people in place there. He's got the people in place there. So that's covered. So what we do with him is we just make sure that he feels stronger every week. That really gets people jazzed up. That he likes coming back to hang out and do what we're... Just talk about the things we talk about. And then usually what ends up happening is it's a little bit easier for them to get their ass in the gym. They're enjoying it. Then one day I'm on the weekend, I'm in and I find him that he's in working out on his own because he's really feeling the benefits. Meanwhile, he's coming back to me and saying that his major health markers are improving, which he feels really good about because he really wants to stay off diabetic medication. That is one of his big motivating things. And you now have a guy who <clears throat> has found that, wait a second, this doesn't have to be a terrible experience because he'd done some group class, high intensity type stuff before. And he doesn't like that feeling of feeling like he's going to throw up or being just extremely winded the whole time. So what do I do? I get him trap bar deadlifting and goblet squatting and bench pressing, which he likes, and a few other things like that, throw in some curls. And he likes how that feels. He's never too winded. He's never walking out of the gym feeling like totally destroyed. And I give him the experience that he's coming to appreciate. And I gradually, just very gradually, add a little bit of load or add a little bit of intensity or add something as his capacity to do it builds. And we've seen a pretty solid transformation in his health so far. And I want to make it an experience that he loves and wants to return to. Because if you as a fitness professional create that experience, one, you've got a client who stays with you longer. That's good for you. And that's not a selfish motivation. Two, if that person sticks around, then their habit forms and it becomes part of the, more part of their lifestyle. And then that consistency adds up to seeing some pretty crazy results. So everybody wins in that scenario. And then some of those clients go on to just be on their own and they go independently. But some of those clients, they become lifestyle clients. They do have the resources. This particular client owns an insurance company. And for him, resource, financial resources are not a challenge. So I've got a great lifestyle client. Yep, 100%. Yeah, man, no, that, that's great. And I think that is just a, an easy progression, right? Where as long as you can keep people seeing wins and you've brought up Don a few times and obviously he's been an incredible mentor to me. And uh, actually that's where I got my start, I guess you're going to call it right. As I was actually working in his gym as an intern while I was going to school to be a dietitian. So I was doing personal training for three, four years in there, a few years before that even, but that's so watching him do that. He was an absolute master of that, right? I could see him take someone through the most basic workout, but they left feeling like they had just climbed Everest. Everything was amazing. They did so good. And he would take people through their training based on whatever stress levels, how they were walking into the gym and all these things. He's great at reading that stuff and really even better at just motivating people and just making them feel like even if they just laid on the floor for 60 minutes, they had the world's greatest workout. They were walking out of there on cloud nine. They were crushing it. And it's just, those are the things where I think those are, like you said, for like coaches like yourself and like myself to motivate, motivate people to want to come back and obviously like take an interest themselves. I think that's like 
the biggest skill that obviously I'm really still working on. It seems like you're doing a pretty good job of, but it, it's huge, man. And Don, a lot of people know of Don because Don trained, he started with Hugh Jackman and he works with Ryan Reynolds and Lake Lively and half the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Don is very well known for training celebrities, but you're right. Where that comes from is having such mastery of a knowledge base about training and nutrition, but also creating such a great experience that he just happened to have been in a situation where he was introduced to a very prominent celebrity. And then that created a cascade of referrals through other people in that space. It's that simple. Anybody who is grounded in really great experiences and great knowledge, great skill, if they happen to put the time in consistently, and then they end up in a situation where they end up in front of someone who's a little bit more famous, the same thing could happen. And it's, I want to say there's nothing special about Dodd. There, there's a lot special about Dodd. If you expose yourself to Dodd and his energy, I think there's so much special about Dodd. But at the same time, there's a lot of other people walking around who also possess a lot of those skill sets and knowledge, right? So I, I hope people understand what I'm saying there. And now Don has taken all that 15 years of owning a gym, scaled into an online entity that reaches thousands upon thousands of people. He now has the ability and the infrastructure to make a difference in more people's lives. And maybe it's how Don looks and maybe it's Don's personality and maybe it's the fact that he works at celebrities. That is the thing that gets someone to step over the threshold from being an inactive person who doesn't engage in fitness to someone who goes, Hey, I want to start getting active. And that is, I think ultimately how we change. We scale our ability to help more people than just the one-on-one -on -one person. And I still love it training my clients in person. I always will, but I am definitely open to and I spend time around people like Don and people like Kelsey Heenan and Dennis Heenan and Luca Hosovar. And I was just this weekend, this a weekend and a half ago, I was in Vegas with Joel Jameson and Luca, which was a great experience. And funny, there was a young man there named Tiago who happened to work oh. at Don's gym. Yeah, man. I know T well. Yeah. He's a oh, great guy. And, so, and that's how small our world is. So he's a really nice young man. And all this came up because a lot of us all know each other. But being around these kind of people, it's inspiring, it's motivating, it breaks the boundaries and the boxes we get put in as fitness professionals to think about how our careers are supposed to unfold. And for any of the coaches listening, I do think this is a really important thing so that way we can actually positively affect more people. But I'm also not in a rush to get off the gym floor to work with the people I love working with. Yeah, yeah. That actually, you could wait perfectly into something I wanted to bring up, right? And I kind of find that like really interesting, right? Is that, like you said, obviously at this stage over the last few years, so many things moving to that online, I guess, model, right? Yes. The big thing is like, obviously you've created a pretty incredible like Rolodex of people yourself, right? Of some really great connections. Just, you got some really good testimonials and stuff and things like that. Right. Talking about for four coaches, like what are some of the tactics that you've used? Because let's be honest, like, yeah, you've been in the industry a while. You said about 12 years, right? But there's other people who've been in the industry for 12 years and have not achieved anything near what you have. I'd love to get a little bit of like your tactics. And I think we brought that, we've spoken about that a little bit for getting around the right people. But I think this also can segue into for people that are looking to get into fitness, not only coaches, how just ways to get around the right people. I don't know if you have any tips like that for obviously coaches and then more general pop people just looking to make sure they do find a coach who like we're talking about who really can actually support them and their needs and not just 
throw a program at them and wait for them to fail kind of deal. All right. So I'll go through this and then maybe you can tease out some stuff. We can give some value to the general too. So I'm actually doing a presentation on virtually this topic and I'm going to do it twice. It'll be at a, an event called the FitBiz Mastermind coming up in Scottsdale. That's the first weekend of December. It's a three-day thing. Lane Norton is speaking at a Jordan side, speaking at it, a few other people and yeah, I'll invite it down. But I'm also going to do the same, or I'll take her with a bit, for an event in Dallas called Raise the Bar. So my friends, Derek Mendoza and Nick Lamb, and you would have met Nick in New York. He was the MC of Kenny's event, our friend Kenny Santucci, who's great. And those guys are friends of mine. So I'm speaking at that event. And that I also introduced them to Don Saladino. So Don is in that event now. Jonathan Goodman's in the event. Jordan Syed's in the event. Tony Gentlecore, Molly Gelbraith. And... Just this massive list, Jill Coleman. You can literally go on to Instagram at raise the bar or message me. Seriously, message me on Instagram. I'll send you details. And this is like a little bit of a playbook of exactly how I've done this. I spent six years at a commercial gym on the gym floor crushing sessions. I left, bled that into the seventh year. And I, I still work those kind of hours. But along the way, I started getting opportunities because as I would meet people, I would make the effort to start going to events and gather up people on social media. If I met someone, I would add them as a Facebook friend. And it started by becoming, by writing on social, on Facebook before I had a website, things about training and nutrition and becoming, as Jonathan Goodman likes to put it, a top of mind in, for all of the people who are connected on my social media. I think this is one of the most valuable skills that you can start with. And you may worry that with Jordan Syatt, with his massive following, or Lane Norton, most of the people you're connected with personally won't follow those people. They don't follow Don. I want them to follow all these people, abundant mindset. But the goal is to become their go-to fitness person, right? The person who they think of, even if they're not yet thinking about making some lifestyle change, but if something happens in their world where they hit that point and they're like, they want to start getting to the gym where someone in their world starts talking about this, you're the person everything gets referred to. And for a very long time, this worked really well without any sort of other social media or any other things. And along the way, I met a buddy of mine named Dean Guido and we headed off and then pretty quickly he turns around and he asks, Hey, do you want to start a fitness podcast? And this is five years ago when there weren't as many. So I said, sure. I've been listening to them. I really liked the idea of it. Thought we could do a good job. And I also started traveling within the industry. And so I, early on, I met people like Dr. Mike Isertel and Sohi Lee and got countless other people and became friends with a lot of these people. You go to dinner, you sit down, you hang out, you, you do the extra. But I also, in the events I started traveling to, the first one that I traveled to was called the Fitness Summit in Kansas City in 2017. Huge lineup there. Spencer Dodolsky, Mark Fisher, you name it. Like a lot of people there. Dean Somerset, who's local Edmonton as well. But I also met and gathered up as many people as I could on social media, not with any intention, just to connect, just connecting with people because I really liked them. The people who were just there attending because they're the people on the same journey as me. And I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but all those connections, a surprising number of them have turned out that these are people who've gone on to do really cool things themselves. But two of the people I met and became friends at that event, turns out that they both hosted their own fitness conferences. My friend, Tim Arts, who hosts an event in Spokane every year. So I went in 2018 and 2019 because it was great. And then my buddy, Jeff Aker, who's from Calgary. And Jeff turns out is the provincial director of the NSCA for Alberta. So I went to the provincial clinic in 2018 and 2019. Great. Met more people. And then come 2021, 
as my social media and my writing and all these other sort of things had really blown up, Tim turned around and asked me if I would speak at his event. First opportunity there. Okay, cool. So I leaned into it, said yes, didn't know what I was doing, figured it out, went great. Got another speaking engagement from there. Tim invited me back this past year. And through my relationship with Jeff, because I was speaking to other things, we got talking. So I spoke at his 2022 provincial clinic for the NSCA. And then a guy who just follows me happens to be one of the people on the board of the Rocky Mountain Regional NSCA. And he asked if I would come down and speak at that. So that's the second weekend of December. And then I meet Kenny Santucci at Luca's event in 2021. It wasn't easy to travel out of Canada during 2021. I went to support Luca because I went to Luca's event in 2017. And Luca's been a good friend and was hanging out with him this weekend. And he's invited me to come on as a guest on Vigor Life podcast that he's rebooted later this week. Holy shit, that's cool. Let me get myself back on track here. So I meet Kenny Santucci, who's just another guy hanging out. And then I invite Kenny to come down to raise the bar where I'm just hanging out in the spring uh, of this year. And I have Kenny on my podcast. And next thing you know, Kenny turns around and he asks me, hey, if I'll be a part of the speaking lineup at Strong New York. I didn't know he did this thing. But along the way, I also really like connecting other people. And this is something I don't put on my social media because I'm not interested in the praise or the recognition or status for supporting others. Some things it's visible that you just you share, you support other people. But a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, I just really feel fulfilled by connecting good people to good people, whether it's a personal introduction or an online introduction. Hey, I think this person would be great for your podcast. We're going to talk after this. And we already did. And I've got some people I think would make great podcast guests because I think they're wonderful. And through that mindset, constantly just sharing and supporting, I feel one, people pick up on that. They know that's how you operate, but it's created a ton of really awesome relationships over time. And then as I leaned into, that's how... I got an invitation to write for Teen Nation because I invited Danny Sugar, longtime Teen Nation writer and editor, onto my podcast because I've been reading her stuff for years. She turned around and asked me to go write for them. And that led to all these other things. And then my relationship with Jonathan Goodman, meeting Jonathan in 2018, he had me write a piece for the PTDC and he gave me an introduction to, funny how this works, but bodybuilding.com, which I was paid for. I have an author's page, but they were sold. And my article that I finished for them, that was paid for, was never published. So I don't publicly wave around that I wrote for bodybuilding because it was never published. It's like, shit. Anything <laughs> uh, happened where my first go at muscle fitness, I actually had an introduction to the editor there, but then they were sold or restructured. So that went away. But I later on came back around and I did get a connection into muscle fitness again. So funny how that stuff works. I'm wandering a little far afield here, but it's still... One of the most enjoyable things is to get to go and travel to these kind of events, interact with people who are very much on the same journey and finding ways to support them. And it definitely is not being transactional. Every once in a while, I get, I had a woman in my DMs maybe a couple months ago, and she had a few more followers than I do on Instagram. And she messaged me and said, Hey, it looks like we have, we follow a bunch of the same people. Do you want to follow each other and support each other? And to me, this is conditional, transactional. And my polite response was, I'm genuinely sorry, but I don't do follow for follows. Do engagement pods or anything like that. There's a lot of people I will share and follow because it's support because I'm genuinely interested. And I did a little bit of a deeper dive and it's not hard to figure this stuff out, but despite her follower count, her number of likes and comments on her posts were maybe one twentieth of what mine were, which tells me that her following's fake. So it's not a surprise. And this is for the gen pop too, is if you're trying to find out who's sharing really great information. One is hopefully you can tell what good information is, but 
look at people who have a very abundant mindset and they share and support other good people. But if you see people who, wait a second, there, there's something fishy about the quote size of their followers versus the amount of comments and likes and engagement they're getting, then that's, and again, I know good people who fall into the trap of being in a rush to achieve status in the eyes of other people, but it's a transactional fixed mindset approach that never works because people can see right through it. And then to me, if I got someone who's got a big fake following, I don't want to put them on my podcast because if they're doing this, well, what else are they doing? That's what concerned to me. I just, you can look for little red flags like that and it can lessen the impact of feeling frustrated by these quote, big account sharing misinformation or being the fitness professional who's struggling to gain traction with social media, thinking, well, look at all these other people with these big followings. Not everything is as it appears. Focus on what you can do and don't get discouraged because you see these other people doing this. Yeah, totally. And even as someone who I, I'm taking your advice on this too, as you're talking and just to, like you said, I'll dissect a little bit. I think you said a couple things, do the extra and literally you went out of your way to be at these events and you went there to do some socializing and be seen and meet people. And I'm assuming that's out of pocket when you're making those trips to for some, I know now you're getting invited to a lot of these, you're speaking and stuff, but let's go take it back to 2017 and stuff. A lot of these are just, Hey, I'm going there because I know that I want to be in the room with these people and I want to socialize and whatnot. And man, I think for anyone, and I'm putting myself right in this category of people who are currently working on growing things, it's very easy to get caught up in like, Oh, I can't take that Friday. Are you kidding me? I got a coach. I got to do this, I got to do that. But then again, putting yourself in the room, right? I say that a lot and I'll do it one at a time, but that goes back to the person who wants to get into fitness too, putting yourself in the rooms with people that you do trust. But I think that's a huge thing, right? Is like you said, go, do the extra. Go there with the intention of being a good person, connecting some people, introducing some people, being genuine, right? And then you also got to get yourself there, I think <laughs> is, the, is a huge one. And... You're right. And it does require some resources, but I think the people I've seen prioritize this sort of stuff are the people who generally grow and do better in the industry. Everybody who does really well, authentically really well, has great relationships. Don Saladino has great relationships. Don is close with a lot of crazy, successful, smart people like Muscle Doc Jordan Shallow and Luca Hosovar and, and others, right? And you benefited tremendously simply by being in his orbit. And again, you look at guys like Luca. Luca is phenomenal. Luca is good, close friends with a lot of really awesome, successful people. John, Molly Galbraith, these people have great friends, support structures around them. And I've seen people who really are wired to go it alone, who disparage the fitness industry's like interactive nature. And those people struggle. And it's not as fulfilling or rewarding a place to be. Yeah, there's also this aspect of some of this stuff isn't the client in front of us. And the client in front of us is still the thing that matters most. But for me, the travel and getting to speak at some of these things, getting to write for big publications is fulfilling to the point where it helps recharge me and keep me in the trenches, so to speak, as much as they don't like military met metaphors with this stuff. <laughs> yeah. It'll keep me going, working with the clients one-on-one -on -one in person over the years as I get, I'm 44. I'm not a kid anymore in this industry. I started late. I started at 32 years of age, fell into this world. And it's my hope that I'll be well into my 60s and beyond and still working with some people. I also do want to build and create 
things that allow me to earn a really good livelihood. So that way I have a good retirement. There's no retirement plan for us. We have to do it ourselves and continue to be able to share really good information that helps scales to help a lot more people. And that way I can still do the coaching because I love it, not because I need to do it. Totally. Yeah, man. No, I love that. And I think I did ask a very roundabout, confusing question there where I threw the gen pop into the <laughs> coaches. But how can we give somebody to the gen pop? No, but I think I think it, the same go, just like the reasons why, and again, gen pop, they're successful in a lot of ways, like business, what, whatever. Maybe they're like the best mom or dad in the world. They have a great business. They have a lot of good things going for them. And I, there's probably reasons that that they can like bring forward into their fitness and their nutrition and things like that to take advantage of places you've already been successful. And like you're talking about being successful as a professional, just in terms of putting yourself in the room, being connected with good people, going out of your way to make things a priority, even if they feel a little bit uncomfortable at the beginning. I think that's the way we could swing that into the gen pop is that, you know, if you're one of those people, like you said, the people who try to go it alone generally struggle a little bit, right? So that's probably where getting the personal trainer or the nutrition coach or getting yourself in an online group or whatever it is that can help at least immerse yourself into the industry a little bit or into the lifestyle, right? Absolutely. Because a lot of the stuff that we talk about when it comes to fitness principles, don't like the, the oversimplified yeah, discipline versus motivation, that sort of stuff. That's, that's, that stuff's true. But a lot of these mantras you need, we need to run a lot deeper in order to actually help people, give them some, something tangible and actionable, which is why I always tell people, if you have specific questions, just message me. I'll give you a more specific nuanced answer to your situation within reason. But yes, you're right. A lot of this stuff does. It's a perfect analogy to how people's careers grow in, in whatever walk of life. And these principles are timeless. Even if you're an hourly employee within some sort of corporation and you don't feel particularly recognized or valued, you know what? Go read the book Lynchpin by Seth Godin. It's literally about this. And it's the mindset of just as Seth puts it, giving your art and showing up and shipping your work and just going over, over and above what you believe is the hourly rate that you're being paid for. And invariably people who show up with a smile, they go a little bit extra for other people. They get noticed, you're happier and you're more fulfilled doing whatever you're doing while you're doing it, but more opportunities tend to come your way. And I used to approach my, the job that I had before I started as a trainer this way. And because of that, I actually have clients, like outside of the fact that I'm sick, I was supposed to have a client today that I met over 15 years ago, who I just got along with Adam social media. He came to train with me at the old gym with a friend years ago, and then this is a guy who was like probably his late teens that I knew. Now he's just had his first child. He's an accountant. He's married. He's all grown up. Still a funny dude. And still same guy, but just a sort of grown up version of him. <laughs> but he trains with me twice a week because he knows he won't do it on his own. And I'm the person whose integrity from the old job he knew. He's seen my social media over the years. I stayed top of mind in his world. And I was the only choice later. And he's got a two time a week prime time in my home studio. That's convenient for him that he's not willing to give up now. So th those principles, everything we talked about just wrapped up in one little thing there. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that that's a great place to leave things off for today. You think it's great. Like, I think for anybody who's listening to this, whether it's someone who's looking to get into fitness, get into nutrition or, or stick with it and make it happen. Or if you are a coach, I think obviously there's a ton of actionable stuff in here where people can, that people can take out. Man, I appreciate you being on. Where can, where can people find you? Where should they grab your info at? 
Instagram is the, all roads go through Instagram. So yes, I have a website, andrewcoatsfitness.com, but at andrewcoatsfitness on Instagram. And that's where I'll share up my podcast when I do it. I had Don on recently. So if you want to go listen to Don Saladino's appearance on Lift Free and Die Hard podcast. So it's a play on words from the fourth Die Hard movie, Live Free, Die Hard. I, we, I rebranded it after 150 episodes because my old co-host, a very good friend of mine, left, he had a baby. They left it to me. So I've got 104-ish of the new version. So over 250 lifetime. And it's really similar format. But that one's fun. So go check out Don. Meanwhile, for anybody who's finding this through my media, go fo follow Adam's Got Great Information and dive into the other episodes. And for anybody who's listening, who's already supporting Adam, go give him a review. There's more podcasts than ever out there. And these sort of things matter. And even better, take this podcast and share it with someone else in this in your world. So if you're just a general population, someone else who you know would really enjoy this, or if you're a fitness professional, share it with some of your trainer friends. Seriously, get them on onto this stuff and follow some of the people we talked about in this episode, like Luca Hosovar, like Don Salad. They're going to do a lot of good for you. Yeah, couldn't agree more, man. So yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on. It's always great talking with you. I love just your outlook on everything. And uh, like I said, your rational approach. And you're a hard worker, man. And that people that doesn't go unnoticed no like i said i really appreciate you being on and i look forward to talking to you again in the future we'll be talking off air so hang on here everybody else guys thanks for listening you got it please note that this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis or treatment the information shared on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be used as a replacement for the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider. Additionally, the opinions and strategies discussed on this podcast are those of the guests and host and do not necessarily represent the views or endorsement of the podcast or its creators. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.